In a landmark report, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission has urged the federal government to fix the uneven market power of digital companies such as Facebook and Google that make it almost impossible for traditional media to compete for advertising and audiences. The Digital Platform Report, released in late July, lists 23 recommendations that cover all aspects of how and where we get our news. The ACCC's proposed changes span competition law, consumer protections, media regulation and privacy laws. Today, the Media Files team talks to a media proprietor and journalism expert to look more closely at what the ACCC has suggested needs to change so that media businesses remain economically viable into the future. I am Andrea Carson, and together with Matthew Ricketson and Andrew Dodd, we are joined by Editor-in-Chief of the McPherson Media Group and media academic and journalist Margaret Simons. After an 18-month inquiry, the ACCC has released our groundbreaking report into digital platforms. It is truly a world first, looking at the impact on competition, privacy, and consumer outcomes arising from the significant market power of the leading search engines and social media platforms. In particular, Google and Facebook and their influence on the media and advertising market. Make no mistake, these companies are among the most powerful and valuable in the world and they need to be held to account and their activities need to be more transparent. Margaret Simons, we've just heard from the Minister speaking there that there is, it appears to be an appetite for change as recommended by this report. Is that how you read it? Well, it's a very big report and it covers a, an enormous array of matters, which is not surprising given how reliant we all are these days on digital platforms for everything from shopping to um, news and other things besides. Um, so, yes, there seems to be a positive vibe about the report as a whole. Um, as far as I've heard, the government is talking mainly about trying to regulate the platforms in terms of the content they carry. They've spoken less about the journalism-specific measures, which are the ones I'm most interested in. Um, and indeed, I heard just the other day that they're claiming that the ABC and SBS are already adequately funded, even though the ACCC report indicated that uh, that they didn't have sufficient funding to address the shortfall in other areas. So I think we'll have to wait and see um, how warm and fuzzy they feel towards the other parts of the report, other than the broad brush stroke of regulating the digital platform. We'll come to the journalism-specific recommendations in just a moment, but have we seen this all before with the Finkelstein report and the Convergence Review uh, back in 2012 and 13? And what is the process from here in order to get some sort of change? Well, we've seen uh, the Convergence Review, you're quite right, and then even before that there was a Productivity Commission report into managing the broadcasting spectrum. And one of the regular um, parts of these inquiries into media regulation is that they're usually completely ignored by government. Um, however, I do think there's enough concern about the impact of digital platforms 
um, to perhaps change that general vibe. But certainly the the history of media regulation going back 50 years is a pretty dismal one. And of course, central to this report is the power that's exercised by multinational technology companies such as Google and Facebook. Do you think this report is now suggesting that they are not just technology companies as they often claim, but also carry out media functions? Yeah, the report is quite clear on that. It says that they are performing many of the functions that have traditionally been performed by uh, conventional media companies. They're not saying that they are the same, but they aggregate news, they distribute news, and they make selections of news and they work out how to prioritise news, largely by algorithm. Now, those are functions that have traditionally done been done by mainstream media, and what the ACCC is suggesting is that it's reasonable to hold them to some of the same standards as mainstream media is usually expected to adhere to. And that, that sounds eminently sensible, um, Margaret, but it would seem that Facebook and Google themselves don't don't have that view about what they do, do they? No, exactly right. They have been arguing all the way through that they are technology platforms, pure and simple. Uh, but the ACCC is very clear that, that that's not right. And I think um, we can all see that that's not right. Um, YouTube, for example, is carrying original media content. Um, Facebook is regularly deciding not only to publish material, but how to publish it, how prominently to publish it, how to share it. You know, this is more than only a technology platform. Now, we could get caught up in a sort of semantic battle about whether they're publishers or not in the traditional meaning of that word, but I think it's better to look at the functions that they're performing rather than get caught up in that word publishing. Sure. And, and I'm in heated agreement with you, but part of the problem, though, is if if, um, if Rupert Murdoch and News Corporation used to be referred to as the 900-pound gorilla in the media landscape, it's fair to say that Facebook and Google are the kind of 9,000-pound uh, gorilla in the jungle, aren't they? They're, that's that's the issue. They are so large now. Can they actually be regulated? Well, yes, it's a power like uh, none we've seen before. Um, and, you know, that is a question, uh, which the question of our times really is to what extent can they be regulated? Can they be bought to book? But the other thing, and I said this in a submission I made to the ACCC inquiry, we would be wrong to assume that Twitter and Facebook and Google and YouTube are the only social media platforms. Uh, WeChat, which is um, uh, Hong Kong-based and largely Chinese-owned um, uh, social media engine, uh, there are others as well. Um, and I think a lot of people who can't see why you'd want to regulate Facebook can easily appreciate why you might want to keep an eye on what a Chinese-owned um social media engine, which is, of course, also a wonderful engine for keeping citizens under scrutiny. Um, you might understand why we want to regulate that or at least have some transparency around what it's doing. And that's largely what the ACCC is arguing for. It's arguing for transparency, uh, transparency of markets and transparency of how news is shared. It's also in one of its recommendations calling for what it's called a harmonised media regulatory framework. What does that mean exactly? Well, this is where we go back to the convergence review. It's really saying that media organisations, regardless of the platform on which they publish or broadcast, should be subjected to the same regulation. So we've got a level playing field. So just to give another example, at the moment, Netflix, for example, uh, which um, has taken the Australian market by storm, is not subject to the same Australian content requirements as Channel 7, 9, 10 and so on. Um, 
You have Facebook, which is able to publish election advertising, for example, in, in quite a different way from conventional media platforms and in a way that's very dif difficult to regulate. And the system of media regulation has simply not kept up with this. The Convergence Review was an opportunity to reform it. As I said earlier, that report was, was ignored, comprehensively ignored by government. Um, but it's really getting to the stage now where the system of media regulation is creaking, it's not fit for purpose, um, and there are real dangers associated with that, and I think people are beginning to see that. And when you don't have the power to dominate, to control what they do because you don't own the equivalent of spectrum, how do you regulate it? It's simply impossible to regulate a transnational, multicultural, um, multinational company. Well, it has to be an international lawmaking effort, and the ACCC is quite clear about that. Australia is actually one of the leaders in this area, um, but um, the ACCC is in close uh, conversation with its counterparts in the USA and in Europe. And I really do think that this is going to be one of the stories of our times, trying to keep these uh, these new media behemoths um, in control. And it will be an international lawmaking effort of similar scale to that that. Uh, Concern copyright, perhaps in the in the time of Dickens, when the whole world really had to cooperate on similar or comparable laws. It won't be simple, but it's been done before. On that point, Meg, um, the government has said that they'll have a three month period to receive submissions in response to the report, and that working towards having a platform neutral single regulatory system would be a multi-stepped approach. Given what you've just said about the need for this to be also harmonised with international standards, could this be quite some distance off into the future? Well, I think it will be a stepped approach. Things like um, local content requirements, for example, um, would probably be primarily a matter for the Australian Parliament. Um, privacy regulation might um, be both local and international. Uh, the various measures in the report to um, safeguard public interest journalism are primarily local. Um, so not all of it's going to involve international lawmaking, but I think the overall thrust um, will have to involve an international effort. But part of part of the issue, and I, I, you know, obviously this is a complicated and issue that will take time. But but one of the difficulties is that, I mean, the Guardian Australia has already been reporting about uh, the way in which in during the last federal election campaign, there were some concerns on the part of the ALP about advertising, which they took to Facebook and which Facebook basically either didn't do anything about or didn't want to do anything about. And we don't know to the extent to which that affected the result, but it's a live issue and the reporting by The Guardian suggests it's, it's a serious issue. Yes, absolutely. And this is the case right through our region. Um, I was uh, in the Philippines for much of May during our election campaign for the midterm elections in the Philippines, and Facebook was the main story there, including fake news spread by Facebook. And uh, Facebook did act in the in the last days of the campaign to take down nearly 200 sites, which they identified as being inauthentic in their language. Um, but of course, they, those sites have been operating for three years, um, so it's too little, too late, really, to avoid um, perverting the election process. Um, and this is, you know, that is an aspect which uh, is of international concern. You see similar concerns coming up in the Indonesian elections, Indian elections. Um, it's a, it's an issue for democracies right across the world. Meg, one of the things that the uh, report calls for is tax deductibility status or, or um, 
deductible gift recipient status or um, support for philanthropists donating to public interest journalism. Yes. This is now one of several um, calls for that to happen. Mm. Is this significant because it's come from the ACCC and I suppose why hasn't it happened yet? I think it is significant because it comes from the ACCC. The ACCC traditionally has been a, a dry and dust, dry as dust market focused entity. But in uh, both its preliminary report, its final report, but also in some of its recent decisions, such on such as on the merger of um, the Nine Network with Fairfax, it has continually said journalism is a public good. And we haven't heard that sort of language from the ACCC until very recently, indeed from any government body, that identification of journalism as a public good. Um, and so, yes, I think that it is significant that uh, this body is calling that out and saying that it is diver um, deserving of policy interventions to make sure that public interest journalism survives. So that change in language is perhaps one of the virtues of the report. Are there things, even though it is a hefty report, it's over 600 pages, are there things that you thought were missing or the ACCC didn't go far enough in its recommendations to government? Well, one of the things that I was disappointed about, um, one of the ideas that was put to the ACCC in submissions and which it canvassed a little bit in the preliminary report, was the idea of tax rebates or tax favourable treatment for investment in public interest journalism. And we've had schemes similar to that operate, for example, in the film industry in the 70s and 80s. And it caused an enormous burgeoning of creativity and output in the film industry. Um, the idea is that if you invested in public interest journalism, you would get a tax break um, over and above uh, a normal tax deduction. That's got a potential, and the, one of the interesting things is the ACCC had, it, had the potential to inject about $150 million into the journalism industry straight away. So that's a lot of money in a context of total money spent on employing journalists of $600 million, according to the ACCC. And for my money, they rejected the idea a bit too lightly. I mean, generally speaking, the report is um, very comprehensively backed up by research, including some of the ACCC's original research. Um, on this measure, they brushed the idea off a little bit lightly, I think. And I think it's deserving of further examination and probably some proper modelling and assessment as to how it might work. Well, we'll have to wait and see what happens in the next three months and when the government makes its final call on that. Thank you, Margaret Simons, for your insights. It's a pleasure. That was media academic and journalist Margaret Simons from Monash University. I'm Andrea Carson, and together with Matthew Rickardson and Andrew Dodd, we are joined now by Editor-in-Chief of the McPherson Media Group, Ross McPherson. Ross, what did you make of the report? Well, I think we shared with uh, a lot of the metro uh, operators in the print industry some disappointment that a, a number of big issues were, um, in the end, not not uh, progressed on. For example, the ad tech space, where I think they recommended that there be a further inquiry, and that's um, that's a, a piece of work which I think uh, a lot of people made submissions on and, and we saw no specific recommendations, which was a pity. And that's where essentially, for example, Google would take about 70% of the share uh, moving into ad tech and about 30% gets uh, to the content creators. And the Apple tax is probably another area where 
where Apple takes a thirty percent for uh, you know any any print operator putting up a, an app, but they don't tax uh, music and books and Netflix and Spotify in the same way. So they were more general areas where we were surprised that um, while the report was a terrific forensic examination of the problem, some of the solutions uh, weren't explored perhaps as far as we would have liked. Do you have a sense as to why they weren't tackled? Uh, For the same reason the industry doesn't have the solutions, I think, Andrew. It's very complex. I mean, at the broad international level, you know, I think the debate's still around, you know, divestment compared to heavy fines, which has been the the, the record, I guess, of, um, uh, of antitrust or, or consumer protection over the last uh, 30 years anyway, where they've moved away from divestment into a fines regime. And Australia sort of followed the US example in that to some degree and, and uh, having the courage to take on divestment. For example, the whole ad tech piece is something that could be relatively easily split off from Google. And that's where they're just totally dominant. For those of us that don't know what you mean by ad tech, just well, you've heard what, what pro- is the issue here? You've heard of programmatic advertising in the pipes, and, and most media houses have their own version of that, but Google has about roughly about 96% of that market. Um, so they control... Does that mean instead of the advertising revenue going to you, say at McPherson Media, the vast bulk of it is just getting sucked away into... Absorbed by the middlemen, if you like, and Google, you know, is a very Is Google the middleman or is... It's one of, the, one of the mediators, but it owns most of the pipes that sort right. of control that. Even though they're using your content to draw the eyeballs to the ads, you're only getting 30% of the revenue from Well, the it's often ads that come out of media agencies as well that are placed... Uh, in our uh, products, for example, but we only get about 30% of the take. So that am I, am I right, Ross, that, um, I mean, I saw some commentary from, I think, News Corporation uh, people saying that, that that that's one of the key recommendations that they would really like to have seen the ACCC to act on to, to in a sense, a, a fair uh, recompense for a media company for the uh, material that the media company produces that's your view as well? Yeah. Well, it's an example of enormous market domination, which you would think is really what the ACCC is sort of looking at as anti-competitive behaviour and market dominance and so on. And so, yeah, that was probably a disappointment. But it's a bit like, I mean, if, if you if you were in the car making business and, and suddenly you, you used to get, say, $10,000 and now you get $3,000 because somebody else has kind of sold the car for you or done something to sell the car... I would have thought most car makers would be pretty antsy about that um, with some justification. So is, is, it, is that analogy fair or not? Yeah, it is. And, uh, and look, there's going to be another inquiry, but where that goes, and, and that, of course, has international implications along the lines that Meg was talking about, that it's going to be quite difficult, I think, to, to deal with it in an Australian context. Now, Ross, of course, you're a regional publisher and publishing newspapers in uh, Victoria, regional Victoria, and also New South Wales, is that? Yeah, southern New South Wales, that sort of area. So what problems are particularly acute to regional Australia and how have they been addressed in this large report? Uh, well, I guess there's been a bit of uh, attention given to the subsidy proposed for um for journalism, regional journalism. Uh, Probably the report focused a little bit on local government and court reporting. Uh, I think more disturbing was the recommendation that they do away with the existing Innovator Small Publishers Innovation Fund 
and and while the uh, the ACCC correctly identified some of the issues with that, the, those sorts of programs take a while for bureaucrats to sort out. And the so initi- just to explain that fund, that was a deal that was done after the two out of three law was scrapped, and a sixty million dollar fund was put in place to try and innovate in regional Australia to get media companies a chance to access these funds. Yes, and and Nick Xenophon was behind that move, and. But uh, and so while they were teething problems, the second round, or they brought in a sort of a, a, a second part of the first round because they only gave away I think three point six million out of sixteen, and there were hurdles to jump, which um, you know a lot of small publishers aren't used to making you know government applications for money. I mean, subsidy is not one of the things that they think about. So jumping through the bureaucratic hoops was quite tricky, and a lot of them were rejected. Um, second round seems to resolve some of that. I guess the issue is that we would rather have a sustainable business model going forward than continuing subsidies for, you know, a, a number of journalists. And and what the Innovation Fund effectively does is allow small publishers to update their tech platforms to take advantage of things like um, consumer revenue, which is, you know, you, you a reasonably slick and up-to-date sub- subscription revenue model. And, and a lot of them haven't been able to afford that. The platforms have been pretty expensive. But now with everybody working together, there's some reasonably co- reasonably low cost sort of platforms available to allow even very small publishers to do that. So that's, so that's been helpful for them. That's been very helpful. Right. And, and so the, to the extent that it looks like uh, the ACCC suggests replacing that, I think we'd be disappointed to see that. Um, because those uh, there are other commercial solutions that allow us to get into forms of marketing with our, uh, if you like, our regional client base that allow them to access the digital economy more effectively and for us to, if you like, clip the ticket on the way through. And, and so those pieces of tech are also becoming more easily available. There's lots of models around the world that, that help that kind of revenue piece. And, and so the ACCC, to my mind, probably focused a bit more on advertising uh, and not enough on the consumer revenue opportunity, which is really becoming a bit of a lifeline, I think, for newspapers right around the world. What would you have liked to have seen them do? Uh, I, I think uh, beefing up the innovation fund would have been probably for us something uh, something more useful. And it wouldn't need to be a continuing thing forever, but just to get the regional publishers to a, a space where they can take advantage of these digital technologies and, if you like, uh, engage their significant client base of all very, you know, very small local businesses and allow them to you know, achieve better outcomes for their business through a range of measures other than just print or bundled print or uh, you know, a range of other opportunities. And there are lots of examples of that. What about the local and regional journalism and the employing of the journalists, because that's been one of the pressures on regional business, uh, regional media businesses, hasn't it? You've been forced to lay off people. So what yeah, well, we, we haven't. We haven't had to. And I think some of the other, I mean, I guess some of the aggregated groups have been a bit tougher. They can, they've got outside shareholders and they've got those sorts of pressures on them. But most of the independents have continued to main, maintain reasonable levels of staffing. So... Um, but that won't continue forever, you know, given the ad tech piece and, and the pressures on advertising coming from the platforms. 
which are now reaching into regional areas. So Facebook's doing quite a lot of regional advertising, if you like. The Innovation Fund, of course, that you mentioned is one tool that's available to the ACCC or to the government if it takes up these proposals or rejects them. Another tool is tax deductibility, and we spoke about that with Meg. Do you think that's gone far enough? Are there areas you think in tax deductibility that could have been further explored? Yeah, I, I think they dismissed the idea of uh, tax deductibility of, uh, of, of print subscription, well, of digital subscriptions. This is for the everyday subscriber to be able to get it against their tax, which was in the interim report. It was in the interim report. And it's done in some countries overseas. Yeah, and while I understand it, you know, they they had the argument that can be manipulated and gamed and so on, and and those sort of broad brush programs do have that impact. Uh, I guess we're in that phase where we're trying to convince um, our traditional readership that a digital subscription is worth paying for after we've had, what, 15 years of what they would see as free news, uh, freely available. So, And that would also help with the advertising, um, the chain that you were talking about before, if you're able to have paywalls in place and encourage subscribers to pay to access the news. Yeah, that's right, because you can... You can give your uh, your advertisers a reasonably discreet view of the, the kind of market they're looking for. Yeah, your business isn't one that benefits from philanthropy, but others are around the around the country. Did they go far enough in supporting uh, ways in which philanthropists can give to journalism? Look, I think the uh, the Nielsen Fund is a reasonable step in that direction, and I think a bit like funding. You know, philanthropy for higher education, which has really taken off in the last 10 years, I think things like public interest journalism will be more attractive over time because philanthropics and, and the people on them are just as worried about the, the impact on democracy, I think, of, of social media and the platforms as we are. Do you subscribe to the sort of very pessimistic view of regional journalism as has been sort of portrayed by this report and others, that it really is in the doldrums? Well, we've had three small newspapers offered to us in the last month, so th- there's no doubt at the at the very small end they're under a lot of pressure. Yeah, so I think we'll see some some attrition before it gets better. Yeah, and that's why a focus on the digital subscription model and giving those small properties the the capacity to bring their tech up to date is to me a critical issue. And are the areas of record journalism that have been talked about, court reporting and other sorts of civic journalism, are they falling by the wayside? Yeah, I think the the ACCC put its finger on that pretty well. And uh, uh, there's no doubt that uh, a large number of local councils are no longer being covered. Um, and I think they're as concerned about that as uh, as perhaps we are. And while a lot of them are trying to bring in their own sort of PR structures. It's it's not really the accountability issue being dealt with, is it? So, you mean the local councils are bringing yeah. in? Yeah, that's and that's already of... happening. It's happened in Bundaberg, I think, in in the last month or so. Um, and a couple of other Queensland operators. Also in the regional markets, of course, is the ABC, and there's a fairly uh, less tightly worded recommendation about the ABC about stabilising its funding. I know that's a competitor of yours, but you are in the same market. Do you have a view about the role the ABC plays in the regions and what could be done to perhaps strengthen that role? Well, yeah, we are ambivalent about it. I mean, in some ways it hurts us. Um, And I'll give you an example. We've got 55 odd editorial people running around 
you know, collecting stories, writing original content. The ABC for the same market's got four or five people. So, you know, there's plenty of examples where there's rewrites of, you know, what, what appeared in the Cobram Courier last week or the Seymour Telegraph the week before. And in a digital sense, of course, what the search engine algorithms pop up is everything that's free and recent. And, and News Corp did a good example on Lawyer X for the ACCC on, on exactly how that happens. But they, they end up, you know, 10, 10 columns down below in terms of search results, whereas the free and the recent kind of copycat story. So the ABC online is, uh, is a potential, well, it's a problem for us because people see that as free and giving them enough news to, to perhaps avoid the need to subscribe to local paper. On the other hand, country people love the ABC and particularly things like the Country Hour and uh, local radio on the ABC is very, very popular, you know, in the country. Yep. So what are next steps for you just before we finish up? Uh, well, we're, we're very well, very focused on our digital subscription sort of rollout and programs and also that... Um, that the technical platforms that allow us to, for example, run a range of digital options for our advertisers. And that might include webinars, which, you know, you can run a, a small sort of field day, if you like, with uh, 300 people or 30 people, you know, for a particular group rather than people have to go out and get wet in the rain. Those sorts of things um, are available already, but also giving our customers access to things like Google AdWords and using the platforms effectively uh, that we can help them with. Uh, they're the sorts of things that that we're investing in and uh, hopefully that will sort of uh, give us the revenues we need to keep going. Thank you. Thank you, Ross. That was the Editor-in-Chief of Regional Newspaper Publisher at the McPherson Media Group. This has been the Conversations Media Files podcast. I am Andrea Carson, joined by my co-hosts Andrew Dodd and Matthew Rickardson, and our producers for today's episode are Andy Hazel and Gavin Neighbour. <laughs>